Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober, right here on Green Earth Radio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore on Green Earth Radio. Today, my guest is Jamil Avdiev of Hybrics Nutrient Dense Food, as he joins me to recap the Weston A. Price Wise Traditions Conference from last weekend. Plus, our desserts will tell you how to live sustainably in the upcoming week. But first, let's go to our appetizers and find out what happened this past week in the world of real food. Now, I was off last week, and it seems that the major stories always break when I take the week off. The big news last week was that California's Proposition 37 for mandatory GMO labeling was voted down. But now, it turns out, there are 1.9 million uncounted votes. The county election officials have until December 7th to report their certified vote counts, and the Secretary of State has until December 14th to certify the results. Let's hope the full count will turn things in our favor. It's also important to remember what's been achieved with Prop 37. People are now aware of what genetically modified foods are. And while the jury may still be out on whether GMOs will be labeled in California... On Election Day in San Juan County, Washington, the citizens voted to ban growing GMO crops. While I'd like to see changes happening faster, the ballot results in this Washington town are proof that the GMO-free movement is working. Next, the Los Angeles City Council voted unanimously this past week to endorse Meatless Mondays. The City Council is asking residents to go vegetarian for one day a week. I'm not at all impressed with Meatless Mondays. It doesn't address the real issues with meat in regards to the factory farming and has people substitute their beef with heavily processed fake meats. Instead of avoiding meat for one day, people should learn how to eat the healthy grass-fed meat all the time. Plus, is it the government's job to tell people how to eat or their parents' job? Also, Hostess, the company behind Twinkies and Wonder Bread, is going out of business. They've filed for Chapter 11 and will be selling all of their facilities. Although there are still many other companies out there selling processed junk food, I see this as a slow movement for people moving toward healthier eating. And finally, Mercy for Animals released an undercover video of turkeys being abused at a butterball plant. This comes after an undercover video was released by them back in December 2011. Now, I don't support the idea of undercover footage at factory farms. I view this as taking a job simply to videotape abuse while working undercover to be unethical in its own respect. But this does bring the awareness of what goes on at feedlots. As Thanksgiving is coming up this Thursday, let this be a reminder to make sure your turkey is local, pastured, and preferably organic. And now for our main course which today is recapping the Weston A. Price Wise Traditions Conference in Santa Clara last week. I discovered the Weston A. Price Foundation about a year ago, and it's made a great impact on how I've been eating and living my life. A lot has happened in one year. For one, I've been doing this show and have interviewed many key Weston Price members. I've also read up on what's been considered traditional food, gotten involved with my local Weston A. Price chapter in Pasadena, I began running the Weston A. Price Singles Group. I'm still in awe about how great the conference was. This conference started out with the first ever singles mixer on Thursday night, 
We held it at Stakeout, which was about nine miles from the hotel and had great grass-fed beef and craft beer. Many great connections were made there, and people from the group continued getting to know each other, attending presentations and meals together at the conference. On Friday, the conference officially kicked off with speakers, exhibitors, and excellent meals. After interviewing a number of the presenters on my show, it was great getting to hear them share more of their wisdom. I also had the chance to see presentations from some of the people that I didn't get around to interviewing. Also, by visiting the exhibitors, I got to make connections with some of my favorite real food producers and organizations. Additionally, I learned about some great new products following the Weston A. Price Dietary Guidelines. And the food served for the meals, of course, followed the Weston A. Price diet as well. It showed how nourishing and delicious nutrient-dense food can be. And last, but certainly not least, it was wonderful getting to meet great, like-minded people from all over the world and share in our experiences of eating real food. Here to talk with me about the Wise Traditions Conference is Jamel Avdiev. He runs Hybrinks Nutrient Dense Food. He's also a member of my chapter in Pasadena. Jamel, thank you so much for appearing on this program. Great to have you here. Great to be here. Absolutely. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about how you got involved with the Weston A. Price Foundation? I actually have been eating a Weston Price type of diet since 2006. I had a lot of health issues until I was 17 years of age. And I started doing vegetarian type of diet around 2004, following some of the principles of Paul Bragg, which was, who was one of the pioneers of health in this country, the health movement. And I noticed a lot of health improvements, but I also noticed that I started having problems with cavities and craving for, cravings for sweets. And I thought the Weston Price diet, when I stumbled upon it, was something that can take my health to the next level. And I can feel like I'm not depriving myself when I'm eating, which was what eating Paul Bragg's diet was all about. I felt similar things. I never done completely vegetarian, but I mean, I did do a low-fat diet where I didn't eat a lot of animal products, and I had the same feeling of feeling that I wasn't getting enough, and I guess maybe since I haven't done vegetarian, I haven't had the cavity problem, but I've certainly talked to a number of people that have had the problem with cavities when they're vegetarian or vegan. I know Chris Masterjohn's talked about that, and also the blogger Reese Soothen of Let Them Eat Meat. Absolutely. At some point, I was eating about meat once a week. I didn't go 100% vegetarian, but what people were telling me was I was looking like a vulture, like I was thin and very something, just something off about me. And when I started eating grass-fed meats, transitioning to that, I, I received all the benefits I received from eliminating refined foods like white sugar, white flour, etc., then I started getting more and more energy and overall well-being. How did you find out about the Weston A. Price Foundation? I was doing a lot of reading at around that time and just happened to see the book. And right away, when I, when I just skimmed through the book, I realized this is going to be huge. And I had some of those feelings occasionally when I found something. And what I have found is I've been like, 
right on almost every time. Was the book Nourishing Traditions? Yeah. Right. So for listeners that don't know, of course, I think a lot, we have a lot of Western Price listeners. But for those that don't, Nourishing Traditioners, Traditions is written by the founders of Weston Price, Sally Fallon and Mary Ennig. And it's both a cookbook with a lot of great recipes which fit all the principles. Plus it gives descriptions about what are the traditional foods, what are the compromised foods, and then what, the, what are these newfangled foods which we should mostly avoid. So great book, certainly. Uh, if you haven't gotten a copy of it, you should get a copy now. And how long have you been involved with the local Pasadena chapter? It's been about a year. I got an introduction by uh, one of the people that is on the Western Price LA Yahoo group. She was familiar with what I'm doing, and she told me to check out the Pasadena chapter, and it turned out to be a very active chapter that meets once a month, a lot more active than the current LA chapter, and I've had a great time going to the meetings regularly. Me too, and I've certainly had a great time getting to converse with you at the meetings. And you're right, the Pasadena one is one of the most active ones. I know the West LA, it's getting active again because they do have a new place to meet. It's called uh, the Unurban Cafe in Santa Monica or Venice area. They just had one last month right before the conference where we screened Genetic Roulette and hopefully more going with that. But yes, the Pasadena one, very successful chapter. We do monthly meetings and... We do a lot of different things. Jamel, in fact, spoke last month at it about his business, High Bricks Nutrient Dense Foods. And we do all kinds of things. We have speakers. Sometimes we'll watch documentaries like Genetic Roulette and Farmageddon. And we also have ethnic nights where we learn how to make traditional foods in different ones. So with this being the, your first year of doing the Western Price chapter, this is also your first Wise Traditions Conference, right? Correct. So how did you feel uh, from first impressions of doing one of these conferences? Well, it was, it was intense. I didn't do a whole lot of sleeping. I slept about six hours a night. I was so excited uh, a few days before that, so I slept about six, seven hours a night, and there in the conference even a little bit less. It was uh, very busy. I came there for networking, and I did a whole lot of that, and I, that was great. I learned so many different things, met so many different people. It was uh, fantastic. That's interesting that you bring up the sleeping. And, you know, I think a lot of people had that same situation, which <laughs> in a way, I mean, I almost think it's kind of funny because that's a big thing of Western Price is getting enough sleep that we believe that's one of the big causes of unhealthiness. Something that's avoided is lack of sleep. We say, you know, get at least seven hours, eight. But I have a feeling that there probably were a lot of people there that may have broken the rules a little. Oh, yes. <laughs> my been... All my roommates broke the rules. They were all very excited, pumped up, and I don't know, maybe, you know, there's times where you can break the rule uh, in terms of exceptions. You just feel like you you feel so alive, so energetic. Uh, you know, it's something that is very much in line with uh, what you like to do, and as a result, you don't need that much sleep. I agree. I think there are times you can break the rules. I think what people need to realize about the Western Price Mission is that none of this is like hard set rules. You have to kind of obey these commandments every day. But it is a general lifestyle. And you know, certainly with, with people like us, how we may have maybe gotten a few less hours of sleep at the conference. The thing is, because of our diet and our natural lifestyle that we live, we can recover easier versus, say, other people that don't get a lot of sleep and they aren't eating healthy. Absolutely. And also, you know, some people 
through the diet, actually. Start sleeping less. That's what I observed. Like, I used to be a person that needed around 10 hours of sleep. Otherwise, I'd be, like, semi-functioning. Be tired. Then I noticed with the diet that it went down to about 8. Wow. So, certainly. So, that's certainly an indication that when we're eating right, we can sometimes... You know, we can sometimes cheat a little and and sleep less, but we'll recover. But for the people that aren't re- eating right and aren't sleeping, that's about the worst you can be, I would say. Mm-hmm. So now there's a lot of different things you can do at the conference. They have the speakers. They have the exhibitors. And then there's just the people that you can hang out with. How did you spend most of your time at the conference? I spent about 90-something percent of my time networking talking to the people to the talking to the exhibitors that was my main focus well the exhibitors were certainly a wealth of information and of connections many different types and the thing about this one is because i go to a lot of different conventions for environment and for natural living and a lot of these ones you find a lot of what we call greenwashing which is businesses that their products really aren't so natural they might not be organic. And with the Weston Price Foundation, they have specific requirements. I mean, they had a chart of food exhibitors saying, we will accept this, we won't accept this. So when you see something at this convention, you know that it's going to damn well follow the Weston Price guidelines. And there were a lot of great new foods that I saw there that I hadn't known before, which now I'm interested in learning more. And hopefully these are businesses that we can see more in stores, you know, and, and in addition, they had a lot of great companies, organizations. So what were some of your favorite exhibitors? I like the new Cod Liver Oil Company, Corganic. I think that the case that they're making is an interesting one. And certainly for all the Western Price people who love to take their shots of Cod Liver Oil, who knows, their product may be better. Explain to our listeners what it is that their product does that's different. It's the technique of manufacturing the cod liver oil. The owner, his name is Archie, he's a longtime chapter leader. What he did was he went back further than Green Pastures has gone in terms of checking out the research, how cod liver oil was made, and... It seems to me that, first of all, the value proposition for the consumer is that you don't have to take as much of this. Of course, this is all have to be verified uh, empirically. But also, health benefits may be higher through this processing technique. And for listeners that want to learn more about them, their website, it's coreorganic.com. And I like actually what it says right after it says, real food for autism. So... That sounds like another one of their advantages that it's great for kids with autism. Now, do they have several different types of cod liver oil or just starting with one? They have one and they have something called ratfish oil. It has certain unique lipids. That's what uh, Archie mentioned. And their, their liver, the liver of the ratfish is larger. So it has a certain unique properties. Mm-hmm. That's certainly a good one to know. Um, what are some of the other exhibitors that you checked out? I didn't look 
too much at the uh, Vital Choice Company, but I like the idea of the row. I think that a lot of us don't have a good source of wild ocean fish row. And I think we need a lot more of that because that's a super nutrient-dense food. These, these, these foods that are coming from the ocean, they're more nutrient-dense because the land has been depleted. So if you ask me what's better, a wild salmon or grass-fed beef today, the average grass-fed beef, I would say anytime, anywhere, any place, the wild salmon, unless the beef is being grown on fertile pasture, which is very rare today. Right, and certainly you know a lot about the nutrient dense in the pastures with your business, so I think this is a good time now to explain to the listeners a little about what you do. Okay. I'm a distributor of foods that are farmed in a specific way. It's called Hybricks Nutrient Dense Farm Foods. And what the focus is is on farming so that the food has the nutrition it once had. It doesn't have it today because of soil depletion. Over the last 70 or 100 plus years, our soils have been depleted because of mass farming and other factors. So what this type of farming does is it replenishes the soil so we can eat foods that have the nutrient density of some of the people that Weston Price studied and beyond. Absolutely. And I like how you describe it as way beyond organic because we've heard organic from drill cell and we've heard beyond organic and your term is way beyond organic. Yes. So how utilized is this principle of of high dense uh, nutrient rich? Basically, one one of the principles is the technique of remineralizing the soil. When you grow a crop, like for example, let's say you're growing spinach. What you're doing when you grow that crop is the plant uptakes minerals from the soil, and when you take out that spinach, you've taken out the minerals permanently. So unless you put them back in, at some point they're going to be gone. It's like taking money out of a bank account. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you have uh, certainly have gone through the West Nate Price diet for personal reasons for health, but you also have a business related with it. So there was that too with attending the conference. And how did you find that in terms of networking for your job? Oh, it was very interesting. I met uh, a few com- companies I heard about. One was C Agri Inc. They sell a product called C90 and it's something that we in nutrient-dense farming use a lot. It's basically full-spectrum ocean-based fertilizer from sea or ocean. It has all the, all the, all the trace minerals, 90-plus. And also, they happen to sell salt. They do. Which I think is, now, now after talking to the owner, Robert Kane, I think... Their salt is superior to something like Celtic sea salt because what Robert does is he makes sure that all the trace minerals are there, whereas the way Celtic sea salt is processed, not all of them happen to be there. 
Right, and is that the same thing with pink Himalayan salt as far as with Celtic sea salt? Yes, unfortunately, it is because the place that Himalayan sea salt is coming from is subject to weathering, erosion. So, certain of the trace minerals are leached out over time. Yeah, I checked out the Sea Agri too, and yeah, I was very intrigued by what they do. I mean, with both salt for consumers and also with the ocean. So, certainly, that was a fascinating one, and. I mean, that was one that I was not familiar with. I'd say the exhibitors, it was a combination of ones where it's like I know them and love to meet them. And then there just really were some great companies out there I never heard of before and the amazing discoveries. How many of the exhibitors had you known at the conference versus ones they discovered there? I, I knew several of them. Green Pastures, Vital Choice, Radiant Life. Sea uh, Green I did know, but I, I didn't have a chance to contact them at that time. I think there were several others that don't don't immediately come to mind. But there was a there was an organization run by somebody by the name of Tim Whiteman. It was right next to the booth for the Legal Defense Fund, which I which I found was extremely interesting and enlightening. Mm-hmm. And what was this booth about? The Tim Whiteman is a consultant for nutrient dense farming, so oh, wow. I, I managed to learn quite a bit from him. Spent several hours talking; it was awesome. Right, and you talked a little earlier about Vital Choice, which actually that I had not known about before. I, although, come to think of it, I may have s- scrolled by their name when looking through the Great Wise Tradition Shopping Guide. I'd probably seen it, but since I hadn't seen them in stores and. I don't recall seeing. I don't think they've been at like any other festivals. That was a great discovery to me because, you know, there are a lot of nutritional benefits of seafood, but a lot of it is not sustainable. And just you see the practice of some of these fisheries of what goes on that they're so uncleanly that it is important to find great seafood. I tasted all of the stuff that they have there. Love the salmon burgers because. I'm one that a lot of times I think uh, a burger made out of an animal that's not a ruminant is like, how could you call that a burger? But um, that salmon burger was quite good. And also at the Sunday brunch, did you get to taste their lox? Yes, I did. And I was surprised because years ago I was eating raw fish and I never found it to be palatable in my mind. And so I was impressed. I thought that was like, wow, this is pretty good for fish. I'm not a big fan of the flavor of fish. Yeah, I'm not either. Although I find the smoked salmon, well, for one, it's so salty. I love it because I always say, think of the saltiest thing you've ever eaten. I bet it's not salty enough for me. And I also, I, a lot of times I don't like it when it's too cooked. So that's why I like the smoked salmon because, I mean, they smoke it, but it's not cooked the same way like salmon you'd get in a restaurant is. So I love lox. I mean, of course, then there's also the cultural thing because I'm from – a Jewish background, so lox is a big thing in my culture. And a lot of this lox, it's from farmed salmon, very unsustainable. A lot of it's from the Atlantic that you certainly have to be careful when choosing lox. Also a problem I find with some of these loxes in stores, even the ones that are from like Alaska where it's supposed to be the best place to get the salmon, they add sometimes in ingredients like Trader Joe's that they add in the brown sugar. So I stopped buying theirs despite the fact that it was very affordable for what it was that they added in you know, some preservatives that we don't need in our locks. Yeah, I've seen that in many places, unfortunately. It is a sad thing. So Vital Choice, I mean, they're one that they are the real deal, and they have 
many different varieties. Unfortunately, I don't think they're sold in stores, are they? They're just mail order. I'm not sure. I think, yeah, or if they are, they're only sold in a few. I mean, they're one of those ones that you have to go by mail order. But, I mean, it's great for certainly um, if we're having, like, a big party or something or a bulk of that. Yeah, I'm actually thinking of looking at some kind of uh, putting together a group order because it is expensive to ship a small ounce of caviar. So you can get a lot better deal and maybe they have a price break or something. I think that a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people, they would like to eat the uh, roe. They just are not aware of sources. Like I'm part Russian and it's common to eat roe, but all of all the roe out there in Russian food stores was farmed, which is like farmed fish is is worse than factory farmed meats in terms of nutrition. It is, although something that the Westnate Price Foundation had told me when I visited their booth at Green Festival last year was that I guess farmed fish is better than no fish at all, which was interesting. I mean, I think that mainly just demonstrates the importance of fish in your diet, um, but I mean, it's it's hard for me doing this show to, to, you know, actively say, get farmed salmon. So certainly I encourage to uh, to get the salmon that is wild caught and sustainable and, you know, also look at where it's sourced from because there's certain places that you should get your fish where there's not a, a problem of, of extinction of that species. The Monterey Bay Aquarium has a great guide of what fish is sustainable of, like, what's the best, what's good, and then what you should avoid at all costs. Yeah, I've, I've checked that out, and there's some good there's some good fishes out there that are a lot cheaper than wild salmon, which is, can be quite expensive, like, for example, sardines or anchovies that are basically much lower in various chemicals and things like that from the environment. And at the same time, they're very nutrient-dense. They have a lot of uh, rich, oily, very rich in omega-3s. And you brought up earlier about bulk buys, which I would say is another great advantage of being part of a Weston Price chapter because we certainly do that in our chapter. We'll have a bulk buy and people can get in and it's certainly a way to get at a cheaper price this great food which can be expensive for one person to buy. Absolutely. Bulk buys uh, make this food much, much more affordable, especially if you know where to source. So for those who say, you know, eating this type of diet is very expensive, it's not true. If you know where to shop, you can get fantastic deals. Absolutely. When I don't like that organics is expensive. I mean, my reaction is I don't think you've looked around hard enough if that's your excuse. And so certainly we do a lot of that. And the other thing is also is that if you're also new at learning what organics are the best because a lot of times even in organics there is some greenwashing and it's hard to know what brands are truly the real deal so by getting into one of these bulk buys you work with people that have been doing this for a while and you'll get to learn of you know brands that then you can buy on your own yes i think that's one of the benefits of joining an active chapter that there's so much information out there about so many different products it can be overwhelming so with networking you can kind of bridge that gap, that information gap. It is. I mean, the Weston A. Price, it's just, it's a wealth of information from the people that you can meet. And in addition to the exhibitors, I think that's another one of the advantages of the conference is just the people that you talk to there. And did you have some of that experience of just 
people, not necessarily that were speakers, not necessarily they were exhibiting, but just you met there in attendance. What was that? Um, at the conference, did you have um, some experience of just you know networking with people? They might not have been exhibitors yes. or speakers, but oh, yes. just talking to them. Yeah, so many different people are just kind of stumbling into, into them almost by happenstance. Yeah, so many different interesting people talking about all kinds of you know diverse views. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like people from all over the country. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's always interesting. Or actually, I should say even all over the world, because I remember at the banquet dinner then, people stood up there from Australia. We had a number of them there and countries in Europe. I didn't meet a lot of people from outside the U.S., although I did meet a couple. I, think, I believe I met someone that was Australian, but just from all over the country. And I mean, it's a thing of because I've lived in a lot of different places. I've lived in – I'm originally from Ohio and live in California now and – so it was nice getting to meet some people from Columbus, where I'm from, and seeing that in my home state, that's there are some organizations there too devoted to this. Yeah, I heard Ohio is pretty active. They have an. Active they are, chapter. yeah. They have a few chapters, and certainly it makes sense. So we'll talk more about the conference, but right now we're going to go to a commercial break, and I'll be back with Jamil Ediev as we recap the conference. To Your Health Sprouted Flour Company offers organic sprouted grains and flours for all your baking needs. We have more than 34 sprouted products, hundreds of recipes, and are always available to answer your flour and baking questions. Whether you're making sourdough breads, French baguettes, birthday cakes, granola, or pancakes, let us be your sprouted grain and flour source. Certified organic and kosher, featuring 20 gluten-free sprouted products, that's OrganicSproutedFlower.net or call toll-free 877-401-6837. What is a healthy diet? Conflicting information is thrown at us daily. Help chart your course to wellness with a steady guide, the Weston A. Price Foundation. Our nutrition and health information is helping many families recover from degenerative disease and nutrient deficiencies. Join for only $40 a year and receive our quarterly journal. Visit our website, westonaprice.org, for more details. What is a healthy diet? Perry Eco Rag Industry is an eco-conscious clothing line. Designed and manufactured in Los Angeles, Perry is dedicated by using certified organic, eco-friendly, and reclaimed fabrics using low-impact dyes in its solar-powered facility. The Perry collections are inspired by the changing colors and moods of nature. A portion of all sales go to organizations that support the health of our oceans and seas. We're now available at Gray Boutique in Silver Lake and Unica on Melrose. Or shop online at perrythelabel.com. And for listeners of The Appropriate Omnivore, you'll receive 45% off all items when you use the code OMNI45. And we're back. My guest is Jamil Avdiev. We are recapping the Wise Traditions Conference from the past weekend. And so we've been talking a little about the exhibitors. We talked about how you can just meet people there and network. Another part of it is the speakers. Now, did you have a chance to attend some of the presentations? Yes, I did. I was, I was more att- looking at how they speak as a person that does presentations myself. I was seeing w- – w- where where are they at? What level are they at? I found some of the, the presentations interesting in terms of that aspect and 
It's a learning experience in of itself. Do you have any favorite presentations? Mm, that's, a, that's a tough one. There were a lot of good ones. I stayed the longest for Sally Fallon's presentation. I found she's a very well, very polished speaker, and I think I learned some additional things in terms of fine-tuning the basics of a Weston Price diet listening to that presentation. Yeah, she is good. Some, certainly some of my favorite presentations. I think Chris Kirsten was amazing. He's a vi- very dynamic presenter, and I love how he mixed the use of some videos and visual aids to talk about everything from his farm, about how they raise pastured meat, to then how to get the, the best olive oil. And then even, you know, I talked about issues related with the Allen Savory Institute of their research about restoring our grasslands. Did you have a, ca- a chance to catch that one? Yes, I did, uh, n- though not as long as the the other one, which was Sally Fallon's presentation. And I did find that he's a good speaker and connect can connect with the audience because I think it's important to understand that not only good content is important for a presentation, that you need to know how to connect with the audience, add humor and all the other artistic elements that go into a presentation. So it's not just, you know, writing a blog or an article. Right. And you've certainly been working a lot on how to present yourself. You've taken some Toastmaster classes. And a lot of this was for, am I correct, speaking about Weston Price? Yes. Yes. And speaking in other places about my business and about nutrient-dense farming. And that is a good thing. I think in some ways it would be great to maybe there could be we could create a Weston Price Toastmasters because it's important to know how to talk about people the right way to it and not turn them off. How do you typically explain Weston Price if someone asks what it is? I tell them about the stories of the observations that Weston Price made in his studies of isolated people at his time. And I, I start off talking about the teeth that I throw it out in the following way. Like, what if you could you, you not brush your teeth and still have outstanding, excellent teeth? That's like, for most people, that's like crazy. What? It's, imp- it's impossible. You know, or I ask them, what if all these things, unpleasant things that you find in the when you go to the dentist, you know, the drooling and all the other stuff, what if all of that can be stopped permanently? And you can you know, slash your costs and not spend time going to the dentist as much as you used to. That, I think that's a, that's a grabber. That is a good way to describe it. I mean, certainly Weston Price Foundation started with the dentist, Dr. Weston Price. And in fact, he was a doctor from Cleveland a dentist from Cleveland, and then went around the world. And originally, his mission was just to discover teeth, but then with that, he found all about what cultures ate the healthiest food. So I think certainly it makes sense to describe the Weston A. Price Foundation from the person that it bears its name and his studies that the foundation is based on. Yeah, and I'm and just just to clarify, I'm not I'm not suggesting people to not brush their oh, teeth. Oh no, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out as challenging the ingrained attitudes that we have that it's it's brushing the teeth that prevents tooth decay and a whole bunch of other things whereas the work of Weston Price showed that's not true to a very very large extent 
Right. It's not getting to the root of the issue. Brushing the teeth is more like addressing the symptoms. Yeah. And another thing I respect about Weston Price is that I heard before he was he went on his travels, he was very pro-vegetarian and he was expecting to find vegetarianism to be the healthiest diet and that the vegetarian cultures would be the healthiest. But upon his explorations, he found that there were no indigenous vegetarian or vegan cultures and that actually a lot of these cultures were healthy by eating things such as organ meats. Yeah. I think that's a pretty amazing thing about it. And so certainly, you know, there was Weston Price. He was a dentist in the 30s. And then there was the Price Pottinger Foundation with Francis Pottinger. They did research together. Francis Pottinger did some great research with cats showing the benefits of raw milk. And there was for a long time, there was the Price Passenger Price Pottinger Foundation, which, I mean, that's up in California, a little bit up from L.A. And then Sally Fallon, she had worked for the Price Pottinger Foundation, and she founded Weston A. Price in 99. So this was the 13th conference, and I figured attendance has to be improving at these conferences every year because more people are finding out about it. It was kind of interesting when I heard that the years before this, it remained kind of flat at about 1,200, but I heard this year had its highest attendance of 1,700. They already knew it was going to be the highest with pre-registration. 1,400 people had pre-registered, but then they were expecting just 100 people to register on site and end up being 300, which is certainly great. Of course, there was a little setback of having enough food for everyone because there were more than they expected. But it's wonderful knowing that the the organization is growing. What do you see for the future of Weston Price Foundation? I think it's going to be growing more. And yeah, I mean, that was probably a surprise to everybody in that the, the line, the first food line, I think it was on uh, Friday. It was just so long. It was like and there were people who were left without food Certainly that that may have been a planning challenge. On the other hand, that indicates that there's a lot of growing interest. I've heard I read somewhere that the every year there's more and more. I don't know what the remember what the figure is, twenty percent, ten percent. But if that continues, there's gonna be more and more. It's gonna be huge. It's already very big. Right. Well and I think the two of us right here in the studio right now is proof of how it's growing because we both just joined within the last year. So it shows that a lot of members are new, and I've found even with like with our chapter, a lot of these members, they've only been involved for a year or so. I mean, you have some that have been long committed, like I think Karen's been involved with it for a few years now, but a lot of people that I meet, it's very recent that they've gotten involved, which I think is a good sign. And I mean, I also see a thing of younger people getting involved because for a while it had kind of been older members involved, and certainly as evident, like with my Western Price Singles group, although... I stress you don't have to be young to be in the singles group. I mean, we allow singles of all age, but you know, I think people will find that most of the members of the singles group are young people, and this is an example of you know the future of Weston Price. And I think our chapter is, is pretty diverse in terms of age, I would say. Yeah, there's everybody all over the map. Another thing that I think has really helped Weston Price grow is – the PBS documentary series Healing Quest because, in fact, a friend of mine, I had asked him, have you heard of Weston Price? And he said, oh, yeah, they've been on PBS. So that was where he knows them from. 
Um, what are your thoughts on how Healing Quest will help get the word out? I think it's good getting on public television, getting the word out. There's so many people that don't know about this, don't understand about this. So there's so much information and ignorance out there. Unfortunately, we we live in a country whose educational standards are going basically in the garbage dump and have been for a while. So any efforts to reverse this trend are most welcome in my mind. Mm-hmm. Another thing is coming from working in the documentary and reality world, PBS, as far as like television documentaries, I mean, that's like regarded as the highest form of documentaries on the small screen because, of course, you have the big screen documentaries and, I mean, that's very respected. But when it comes to documentaries on television, like the best documentaries are done on PBS and it's a wonderful series. I like that they made a DVD of all the Weston Price segments because it's been scattered throughout the um, the show. They've aired different segments just throughout the current season and they made a DVD where you can watch just those segments and they were selling it there. You can also buy it online. So I picked up my copy and I certainly plan to show my family and friends these segments so they can learn more of, of what's it what's it about. And I mean, I think also chapters should show some of these segments at their meetings. Yeah, I mean, I've had a somewhat of a hard time converting my family, but it's Me a working too. process. I mean, certainly one of the things that makes it easy or easier than other diets is that it's pretty much how people used to eat traditionally. So there's a lot of, there's a very large element of gourmet cooking and the food actually being tasty. So you don't have to sacrifice eating healthy for having food that doesn't, you know, doesn't have good flavor, etc. The tradition is an important thing to bring up. And the thing is that a lot of these foods, it wasn't changed because of a taste issue of why we eat it differently. Like take for one white flour. White flour all was started because we moved from growing the grains on the farms to process them in the city. And what happened was they didn't have time to fully sprout the grains. So they ended up taking to the cities and just milling the flour earlier on. And, you know, or, or grass-fed beef. Of, I mean, people that say, oh, you know, but that corn-fed, that tastes so much better. I mean, we didn't start feeding the cows corn because it tasted better. It was because we had subsidies on corn and they were able to get them fatter quicker. So that's a good point is that these are all traditional foods. These are all things we ate once and we just changed really the big overlying reason was industrialization. Yeah, I mean, if you read some of the books out there, like one that comes to mind is Untold Stories of Milk by Ron Schmidt. Yes. The the way they started with this, all feeding all these things that are basically not healthy at all was distilleries. They were started feeding cows the uh, byproducts of that process. And that a lot of people got sick, a lot started dying. So at some point, there was quite a, this was a mess, and it, it was worked out. So the compromise then was feeding grains, which was, it, it still wasn't something that's conducive to optimal health, but certainly better than feeding the byproducts of the making whiskey. Right. The raw milk, that's another good point out. 
in addition to grass-fed beef and sprouted grains is raw milk. And that's another one that a lot of people are afraid of, but we've been doing it for so long and we didn't stop drinking raw milk because the raw milk itself was unsafe. It was the way the farmers were making it unsafe. Yeah, and of course, there's there's all these commercial interests also. So pasteurization was not in the name of safety. It was for commercial reasons. Just like, for example, right now, the pasteurization of almonds. Mm-hmm. It's not for for safety reasons. There's other reasons if you do the research. Right, pasteurization of almonds, a lot of foods. Olives, that's another one. And I mean, what these olives are stored in, it's... I mean, when I had Chris Kirsten on my show and uh, he told me about what these olives that you buy in stores, what they're stored in, it's seriously scared me from ever buying olives at a store again. So, I mean, I'll buy them at farmer's markets where the olives are actually in olive oil. And it's so much better of a taste when you get olives that aren't, you know, stored in this brine with like chemicals or whatever is in it. I mean, you can actually taste the olive oil. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that's a big problem now is, is the whole olive oil, that a lot of it is fake. And I've heard Chris Kirsten's olive oil, Stanley Fishman, author of Tender Grass-Fed Meats, he said that is the best olive oil. Yeah, I've, well, I've, there, there's a few uh, that are that are good. A lot of the local ones, certainly, they don't have these issues of mixing unhealthy oils imported elsewhere with the olive oil. And I heard that uh, Chaffin has among the best prices. You can buy in bulk, and it will keep for a number of months if you know how to store properly. And that, that's usually storing it place that's that's not doesn't have high temperature and keeping the keeping it out of the sun. Right, and in fact, Chaffin is going to be doing a visit down here sometime beginning of next year at the Rose Bowl. So you can get bulk orders then, and I'm certainly going to keep the listeners informed of when they can find that out. Another great olive oil that was an exhibitor at the conference was called Olea States. Did you get a chance to sample theirs? Uh, I don't think I did. Well, that was certainly a good one. So, I mean, often typically you're better off getting like the small olive oils. Another thing someone told me was try to get ones that are made here in the U.S., which I mean, one, that's just that's green to eat local. But also I've heard that it's been a, a big thing in Italy of these – of the olive oil scam. So a lot of times when you see something which is product of Italy – yeah, I think I think certainly it's uh, it's better to get local if you can. If if you find a source, so you know the source in another country, then I think that's also fine. It's just the question of being informed, staying on top of all of this. Unfortunately, it's an environment where it's buyer beware. It is. I mean, certainly local. Uh, a thing that I've really now I won't buy from outside the U.S. is produce. After we had that speaker at the. Pasadena chapter conference from the farmer's market there, and she explained what happens to produce that's imported here. Yeah, that's uh, not very good news. It's not. And, you know, it's a thing of, you know, the more I get into this, I find out the more things I avoid. And I guess I don't see that as a bad thing, though. I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes it can make me more selective, maybe get more expensive, but I have to think it's for my health. It's, you know... I think you probably heard a lot of people say this. You know, it's kind of a thing of you can pay now with the organic, natural, sustainable, local, nutrient-dense food, or you can pay later with the hospital bills. 
That's that's exactly what my reasoning is. And not only the hospital bills, you're going to be paying in that your health, your energy is not going to be as good. You're going to be tied up with all these health problems, and the, and they're going to make life, living life, just that much harder. Yeah. So speaking of good food, with the Wise Traditions Conference, certainly people love the speakers, they love the exhibitors, they just love the other people that can meet. But also, a lot of people, they say their favorite thing really there is to be able to access the food that's served there. What were your thoughts on the meals? Well, some people that went previous years said there were there was better food. Some oh, of really? the food I oh, found good. Some of it's okay. it was okay. There was a combination of things. So, but I'm a I'm a pretty I'm a pretty picky eater because with my business, uh, I've I found Hybrix nutrient dense foods have better flavor. So when I compare something that isn't Hybrix nutrient dense versus that is, it just it makes your standards just be all that much higher. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and certainly I have high standards too as I've reviewed stuff on my show and I just interact with so many of these companies that, yeah, you know, there was some great food there, some that was all right. I mean, surprisingly, one of my favorite things at the conference was actually the Chaffin Family Orchard's chicken because as I explained before, usually I'm more into the rumnants and the red meat, but that chicken that they served at the banquet was quite good. Really? I don't know. I I found the chicken itself not impressive in terms of the flavor but the sauce was very good the coconut sauce yeah i mean another part of my favorite meals was actually this was one which it wasn't included in it but i think most people participated which was those farm to consumer legal defense fund breakfasts yeah i I wanted to go to one of them but uh i made a donation of a thousand dollars this year so i was like hmm i don't know if I, i don't know if i if i should go to this I'm already kind of a little bit stretched, but I have I did hear very good things about that, and I wish I would have gone. Maybe yeah. Well, certainly it's a thing for future ones, but certainly I understand, and it is a thing of you know you pay all this money to register for the conference, and you know there's there's all the other prices that that was a little bit of a hassle of like oh but we have to all still pay for our breakfast because the one thing I was thinking was you know the thing about this high price is like yeah there's some great meals included. So I didn't buy a lot at the breakfast, but, I mean, I tried the bone broths. Those were quite good. Mm. And the eggs, I mean, those were some of the best eggs. And Stanley Fishman was explaining to me that you can tell that those eggs are the real pastured eggs because it was hard to crack the shells, which got a little annoying, but I heard that that's what good eggs are. And there were also the blueberry muffins. There were two types. For people on the GAPS diet, they had a coconut flour one and – then there was also a soaked flour one, and surprisingly, I like the soaked flour one better. I thought the coconut flour one I would like more because coconut has a sweeter taste to it, and the wheat one I thought maybe would be too strong in the wheat, but I found actually the coconut flour one, coconut flour is so strong, to me that felt a little too sweet, and you tasted too much of the coconut. The soaked flour wheat one, you could certainly taste a little of the wheat, but the dairy that the flour was soaked in, I think, at least reduced a little of that flavor, and I thought it tasted quite good and didn't mind a little, you know, strong wheat taste in my muffin. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have a chance to go to the breakfast. I usually don't eat breakfast, but uh, I heard the dinner was very good from a number of people. 
the dinner for the banquet? The uh, legal defense fund. Oh, the legal defense Thursday. fund. Yeah, I didn't go to that either. I mean, yeah, because that one also was an additional price. And I kind of would have liked to go to it. But that same night I had the Weston Price singles mixer, which that was a good dinner. That was one that we ate at this place called Steakout. It was about seven miles from the hotel and they had great grass-fed beef burgers. So, you know, it was a place that I think went close to the uh, to the Western Price guidelines of it. And I think most people were happy. And, you know, it was burgers, but if you wanted to, you could, you know, do like the lettuce wrap. Or if you didn't, they had the potato buns. So it had a little wheat in there, but I think it was a little better. And the fries, those were cooked in peanut oil, I actually asked. So, you know, peanut oil, it's, it's a better oil. Still would prefer like a, a coconut oil or beef tallow. But as Sally Fallon says, good, better, best. So in a couple seconds, we're going to have to go to our desserts, but... I want to thank you certainly for coming on, and if you could let listeners know where they can find the website for High Bricks. Okay. It's highbricksnutrientdensefoods.com, and that's the, – the bricks are spelled B-R-I-X. All right. Well, absolutely. It's been great to have you here on our show and tell people about the conference last week as well as about our wonderful Pasadena chapter. But now let's go to our desserts. How to Live Appropriately in the Upcoming Week Today and tomorrow is the Green Festival at the Los Angeles Convention Center downtown. There are many great exhibitors and speakers related to real food. The Weston A. Price Foundation has a booth, and our good friend Hannah Crum of Kombucha Camp has a SCOBY petting zoo. Also, the Burger Lounge, the wonderful grass-fed burger restaurant, has started a rotating menu of different game meats. Up first is its grass-fed bison burger, the restaurant has chains in Los Angeles and San Diego. To find out the nearest location to you, visit their website at burgerlounge.com. And finally, if you're wanting to cook real food for the holidays, starting with Thanksgiving, but don't know how, you can take classes on the website Cooking Traditional Foods. Go to the website cookingtf.com and register for a real food cooking school subscription. That's all for this week of The Appropriate Omnivore. Next week, we'll have our Thanksgiving special as tender grass-fed meat author Stanley Fishman teaches us what you can make with your holiday leftovers. To find out more about my stories, my guests, and events happening this week, visit my blog at appropriateomnivore.blogspot.com.